Section 20 of The Fourth Dimension Simply Explained by Henry Parker Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in August 2016. Essay 18 The Meaning of the Term Fourth Dimension by George, George Gailey Chambers, PhD. The phrase space of four dimensions has been used in three distinct connections, in pure mathematics, in various theories put forth to explain certain phenomena in the physical sciences, and, lastly, in attempts to provide a suitable abiding place for the spirits of the dead. It was introduced and developed in mathematics long before it was used in either of the other connections. Moreover, its use in those other connections has been simply a succession of attempts to apply the mathematical concept. Hence, the aim of this paper is first and chiefly to explain the meaning of the phrase as it is used in mathematics. There, it is simply a language device to put certain mathematical facts in a more convenient form, or to secure greater generality of expression, or for both of these purposes. There is no question raised as to whether such a space actually exists or not. A space of four dimensions arises primarily by generalizing a few of the fundamental facts of ordinary plane and solid geometry. Consequently, an exact explanation cannot be given without first stating those facts on which the generalization is based. Before taking up that explanation, I will mention some examples of other words whose meaning has been extended in a similar manner. In law, the word person has been extended so as to include a legal corporation. By this device, a single statement is sufficient to express any principle of law which applies both to natural persons and to corporations. In double-entry bookkeeping, the accountant charges and credits bills payable, or merchandise, just as he charges and credits John Doe. He does this simply as a device which enables him to get a better view of the status of the business. In elementary arithmetic, we use the word times in its primary meaning only when the multiplier is an integer, as three times five and a half. With its original meaning it could not be used to express the related problem of taking a fractional part as three quarters of five and a half. The meaning of the word was extended, however, so that we now say two three-quarter times five and a half, or even square root of two times five and a half. We thus secure a generality of expression. This use of the word does not imply at all that anything can happen or be done two three-quarter times or square root of two times in reality. The word dimension primarily means measurement. If we think of a straight line, figure 1, and of one fixed point on it, O, then the position of every other point on it, P, is fixed by one measurement, if its direction from the fixed point be given. Since one measurement is necessary and sufficient to fix a point, a straight line is called a space of one dimension. This, by the way, is a use of the word space, distinct from its ordinary use. For the same reason, any continuous line is called a space of one dimension. 
we will distinguish a straight line by calling it a straight one-dimensional space. In a plane, two measurements are necessary and sufficient to fix a point P, figure 2, with reference to two perpendicular straight lines OX and OY. Consequently, a plane is called a space of two dimension. For the same reason, any continuous surface is also called a space of two dimensions. We will distinguish a plane by calling it a straight two-dimensional space. In like manner, three measurements are necessary and sufficient to fix a point P, figure 3, in ordinary space, with reference to three mutually perpendicular planes, XOY, YOZ, and ZOX. Hence, ordinary space is called a space of three dimensions. It should be noticed that this last sentence contains both of the distinct uses of the word space. We can now state the following definitions which evidently hold in ordinary plane and solid geometry. A one-dimensional space, a line, is a space such that one measurement is necessary and sufficient to fix a point. A two-dimensional space, a surface, is a space such that two measurements are necessary and sufficient to fix a point. A three-dimensional space, such as ordinary space, is a space such that three measurements are necessary and sufficient to fix a point. We can immediately generalize by adding to this set of definitions the following. 1. A four-dimensional space is a space such that four measurements are necessary and sufficient to fix a point. Let me here remind the reader that this statement is not intended to define anything that we can conceive mentally in the sense in which we conceive the spaces of fewer dimensions. In a plane, a straight two-dimensional space, there are an unlimited number of straight lines, straight one-dimensional spaces. In ordinary space, a three-dimensional space, there are an unlimited number of planes, straight two-dimensional spaces. By generalizing, we will give to our four-dimensional space the following property. 2. In a four-dimensional space, there are an unlimited number of three-dimensional spaces. The ordinary definition of a plane is as follows. A plane, a straight two-dimensional space, is a surface, a two-dimensional space, such that if any two points in it be joined by a straight line, a straight one-dimensional space, every point in that straight line will lie in the surface. Similarly, we will define a straight three-dimensional space as follows. 3. A straight three-dimensional space is a three-dimensional space such that if any three points in it be joined by a straight two-dimensional space, a plane, Every point in that two-dimensional space will lie in the three-dimensional space. Ordinary space is evidently a straight three-dimensional space. In a plane, a straight two-dimensional space, any straight line, straight one-dimensional space, may be rotated about any point in that line, and even if the amount of rotation be ever so small, the line will occupy an entirely new position, excepting the point about which it was rotated. In ordinary space, 
a three-dimensional space, any plane, straight two-dimensional space, may be rotated about any straight line, straight one-dimensional space, which lies in that plane, and even if the amount of rotation be ever so small, the plane will occupy an entirely new position, excepting the line about which it was rotated, that is, any fixed point in ordinary space originally in the plane but not in the axis of rotation will no longer be in that plane. By generalizing we will give to our four-dimensional space the following additional property. 4. In a four-dimensional space, any straight three-dimensional space, such as ordinary space, may be rotated about any two-dimensional space, plane, which lies in that three-dimensional space, and even if the amount of rotation be ever so small, the three-dimensional space will occupy an entirely new position excepting the two-dimensional space, plane, about which it was rotated. That is, any fixed point in the four-dimensional space which was originally in the three-dimensional space but not in the plane of rotation will no longer be in that three-dimensional space. From the foregoing definitions and assumptions, the following theorem can be proved. 5. Any four points not all in the same plane determine a straight three-dimensional space. Proof. Let A, B, C, and D be any four points not all in the same plane. Pass a straight three-dimensional space through the points A, B, and C, and rotate it about the plane of A, B, and C. The principle of rotation, 4 above, shows that there will be one and only one position in which the rotating three-dimensional space will contain the point D. Hence, the points A, B, C, and D determine a straight three-dimensional space. From this theorem we have the following corollary. 6. Two straight three-dimensional spaces intersect in a plane. For if all the points of the intersection do not lie in one plane, let A, B, C, and D be four points of the intersection not all in one plane. Then, by the theorem, there will be just one straight three-dimensional space containing all of them, but by hypothesis they are contained in two such spaces. Proceeding in this way, a geometry of four dimensions can be built up, and all the theorems of plane geometry will hold in any plane contained in the four-dimensional space, and likewise all the theorems of solid geometry will hold in any straight three-dimensional space contained in the four-dimensional space. Our ordinary space can always be considered as being one of the three-dimensional spaces contained therein. While the whole structure just described is nothing more than a language device, yet it gives the geometer a means of proving many theorems of plane and solid geometry. In many cases these theorems can be proved much more easily by making use of the geometry of four dimensions than by using the ordinary methods. In fact, a number of new theorems in plane and solid geometry have been discovered by means of the geometry of four dimensions. 
Schubert, in his mathematical essays, gives a very interesting case of that kind. I wish to refer to one other interesting example before leaving this part of the discussion. It has been proved that in four-dimensional geometry there are six regular structures corresponding to the five regular solids of ordinary geometry. Now, just as a figure in solid geometry can be projected upon a plane, so these regular structures in four-dimensional geometry can be projected upon a three-dimensional space, ordinary space. A few years ago, Dr. Paul R. Heil, then a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania, constructed wire models of such projections. These models are now preserved in the mathematical seminar room in the University of Pennsylvania. The most valuable use of the geometry of four dimensions is distinct from the use mentioned above. To understand it, one must have a slight knowledge of analytic geometry or of the geometrical representation of algebraic equations. Corresponding to any pair of numbers, there is a point in a plane, two-dimensional space, that is, to the pair of numbers 4, 3, there corresponds the point P, figure 2. Corresponding to any set of three numbers, there is a point in ordinary space, three-dimensional space. For example, to the set of numbers 3, 2, 4, there corresponds the point P, figure 3. Similarly, from the above definition of four-dimensional space, it follows that to any set of four numbers, say 2, 1, 5, 4, there corresponds a point in four-dimensional space. Also, to any relation in algebra between two variables, there corresponds a line in a plane. For example, to the first degree equation 2x plus y is equal to 3, there corresponds a straight line in a plane. To any relation between three variables, there corresponds a surface. For example, to the first degree equation x plus 3y plus 2z is equal to 1, there corresponds a plane. Then, making use of the language of four-dimensional geometry, we can say that corresponding to any relation between four variables, there corresponds a three-dimensional space. For example, to the first-degree equation x plus y minus 2z plus 3u is equal to 4, there corresponds a straight three-dimensional space. This is really nothing but a translation of the algebra into the language of geometry. In a similar manner, any algebraic relation can be translated into the language of geometry. It frequently happens, when a long algebraic discussion is translated into geometric language, that it becomes much more concise, and consequently the mathematician can get a much better view of his discussion as a whole, just as the bookkeeper, by using the method of double-entry bookkeeping, gets a much better view of the status of affairs in his firm. Moreover, when the bookkeeper has his accounts arrayed by the double-entry method, he is frequently able to discover important facts about his firm's business which would have eluded him if he had used the old single-entry system. Just in the same way, the mathematician has frequently discovered important facts in his algebra 
by viewing it after translation into the language of geometry. These newly discovered facts can then be translated back into algebraic language and become a valuable addition to his store of knowledge. This is the most important use of four-dimensional geometry. The value of this will appear to one disposed to look at the practical side, if we consider how these algebraic relations may arise. The problem of a falling body gives rise to a relation between two variables, namely time and the distance through which the body falls. This gives us an algebraic relation, s is equal to 16t squared, from which, by algebraic manipulation, other relations may be derived. These derived relations can then be interpreted in the terms of the original problem of a falling body. In some problems in electricity, four variables are related. Such a relation can sometimes be expressed in algebra, deductions made from it, and these deductions interpreted again into the terms of electrical theory. Now, if the mathematician, by making use of the language of geometry, can discover other facts, these facts also can be interpreted into the terms of electrical theory. Thus far we have treated of the meaning of the term fourth dimension as it is used in mathematics. The same term has been used in attempts to explain certain physical phenomena, such as the phenomena of light. The properties of the space thus assumed by the physicist are exactly the same as the properties assumed or developed by the mathematician. The physicist assumes the existence of a space of four dimensions, takes those properties, combines them with other physical principles, and makes deductions therefrom. He adds nothing to the meaning of the concept of a fourth dimension. Therefore, his theories are outside the scope of this paper. In the third case, stated in the beginning, that of providing a place for the spirits of the dead, the procedure has been very much the same. Here also no new properties are added to the meaning of the term. The attempts of those interested in this use of it have been directed toward justifying the assumption of its existence. Hence their considerations also are beyond the present scope. End of section 20